Hi everyone, welcome to Desolation Radio with Dan and Nate, the Wayne Lineker and Callum Best of the Welsh politics podcasting scene. Who's Callum Best? <laughs> well, you, well, I can't believe you don't know who he is. No. I just can't believe it. Google him later. Google him later. Um, you're Callum Best and I'm Wayne Lineker because I'm older. Alright. They're both really important sort of culture vultures, influential people uh, just like us. Yeah. Basically what's just happened is that we've done like an introduction. <laughs> Uh, and started chatting and doing the pod and then we worked out the, the microphone was on mute. Yeah. <laughs> so it was alright because we only got like two minutes in and it was just like, doing it again. Yeah. And uh, pretending it's all like o- organic. But a ch- <laughs> <laughs> like a, um, Okay, so today we're going to be talking about identity economics with Lord Sid Morgan <laughs> of Swansea University. Sid is a very dapper and handsome man, but we can't, you can't see because we're on radio, but he is. I'll vouch for that as well, actually. Uh, Okay, so hopefully identity economics isn't going to be as confusing as it first sounds. So I'm going to do my rambling sort of Melvin Bragg-style introduction now. Is that all right? Yeah, um, I liked the last one. I thought it worked really well. Okay. It's okay. a good build-in to the... <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really natural. It's just... Yeah, and you do have the cuff as yeah, well, which is no, just... No, no script. No script at all. I forgot to ask you, how are you doing, all right? I'm fine, thank you. I've, I've, had, a, I've had a very good week, thanks. And obviously the peak of it is being here. Absolutely. Oh, thanks so much. It is. And weekend's not even over yet. You're like, it's not going to get better now, yeah. is it? Yeah. Okay. So, national identity you know, is often talked about within sociology, you know, in my field at least, as something we either just have, so, you know, we're born in a certain place or, you know, heritage, like where our parents are from and things like that. Um, so that's one way of looking at national identity. And the other way of looking at it is something that we actually actively mm. do. Mm. So when we say we do national identity, I mean, it's something that we, we create and build ourselves. So, you know, for most Welsh people, that might include things like supporting Wales in sport or, you know, when you go abroad and you tell people you're Welsh and you're not English and things like that. And so... Shattering your faces. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Um, and so this active, you know, this idea of an active, you know, doing, cr- creating your own identity means that national identity isn't limited, you know, to the people that are just born in a certain country. You know, it involves actually buying into something or even acting in a certain way, you know, to act Welsh or to act German or whatever. But national identity is more about, you know, the last, those are the sort of two conventional approaches to national identity, by the way, if you're interested in all that in sociology. But national identity is about more than this again. So there's a famous sociologist called Michael Billig, all right, and he did, he's did this amazing work called banal nationalism, and it focuses on the mundane ways or you know, mechanisms, if you like, that we come to instinctively know how we belong somewhere. You know how we know ourselves as Welsh, or we know ourselves as British, like or English, or, yeah, something that you just instinctively know and you don't know why. So what he does, he looks at how is it that we just know ourselves as being. Welsh or English, right? So, Billig says that British people know themselves as British, not because of obvious flag-waving displays and ceremonies like the Olympics or, you know, the Queen changing the guard and things like that. So it's not through these big ceremonies. Well, it is, but that's not the the main thing. He says the main thing is this constant drip-drip, like a tap, you know, yeah. of everyday unnoticed or what he says, banal, mundane things. Mm-hmm. So the main one for Billig is the media, right? Mm-hmm. So he says that without, you know, you're not going to get too technical or academic. Um, no, he just says that when we hear this constant talk in the papers on the news about we or us mm-hmm. or, you know, our boys, our country and so on, he says that over your lifetime, you know, that gradually just creates this instinctive awareness of, you know, this country is ours, 
I belong here, you know, and so the media is the number one thing. Um, but Billy also draws attention to the material world. I've got in like brackets. Madonna. I've got. <laughs> oh, you, oh, right! You actually brought that in brackets. I did, but I was like, I wasn't going to say. I was actually going to say, I'm not going to say that because it, I didn't think it was funny. But when you said it, it is funny. Yeah. You're a funny guy, though. But I, I know because I chipped in, isn't it? Yeah. So it was more organic. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Everybody likes. Sid's holding up a big sign. Like, yeah. It's like no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Billy talks about the material world, and when he's we say something material. It just means literally things or objects that are also national. So this is stuff, as things like sweets, cars, you know. So Billy basically says that it's the flag that hangs from the courthouse, he says, or from the church or like the town hall, which is far more significant than the one you see flying at sporting events. Because the flag at the church or the town hall or whatever, or in school, is more constant. You know, those the Olympics and things like that that's once every four years or whatever yeah. Um, yeah so the flag in school that's what you see all the time and it's something that just blends in the background but you see because you see it all the time it just reminds you that you're home yeah. without you even knowing that it's doing it so this is a really productive way of, of thinking and talking about national identity especially in Wales as we'll discuss later and it's about thinking how a place feels and how that contributes just feeling you know feeling national for a better word. I keep doing these air quotations. So Billig's work on the material world <laughs> was developed by a backup answer, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, was developed by a geographer called uh, Tim Aidensaw, who's a really great guy I've met before, who really brought on this field of material sort of objects and how they make us feel like we belong in a certain place and how they create a sense of national identity. So he talks in great detail about objects, you know, like clothing, fashion, roads, cars, and so on, and how they all contribute to developing a sense of nationhood and national identity. So, you know, he's right, isn't he? He says that our life is completely saturated by consumerism and shopping, you know, marketing and objects and adverts on TV and so on. And he says, you know, through these constant interaction with brands and things, you know, like crisps yeah. and stuff like that. I you also know, interact with crisps. <laughs> we develop... <laughs> that's for the late show. Yeah. Uh, we develop a national sense of identity and familiarity with with our home, you know, with where we are. So, you know, we know we're in Europe when we go to Europe because of the way people dress, you know, because of the architecture and brands and national products are really central to creating this sense of belonging and, the, you know, familiarity is the, is the main thing, familiarity. So, you know, if I want to go and buy my food, typically, you know, pot noodle, packet of what, packet of what yeah. sits. Rummage around a skip, don't you see? Well, I don't actually need. Um, if I want to buy my Strongbow, you know, yeah. I'll go to a supermarket. I know what, I know about that supermarket. I know where they are in the supermarket, you know, in a way that I wouldn't know where they were if I was in France, for example, you know, if I was in France and I couldn't find a pot noodle, my Watsits, my Strongbow, you know, I'd become disoriented, you know, The, the, the cultural, like, cuisine of France. <laughs> I'd become distressed. You, but you do that anyway, don't you, in terms of, like, if you go to a Tesco's somewhere else, and it's not your local Tesco, you're just like, oh, where is everything? Where is everything? They move it around. But it's far more obvious, isn't it, when you go abroad and you're yeah. like, what, what's this, you know, what, oh, what's this mayonnaise, what's this, you know, is that mayonnaise? I don't know, is it mustard, you know, so... Especially if you're in Russia, you can't read anything. You can't read anything. So it's through these, see see what I mean, these banal ways, like going to the supermarket, picking up the brands that we know and we trust and we've come to 
especially regionally as well. Supermarkets will have like you know Collier's cheese and you know stuff like that. Yeah, but well, but I mean does, that's probably just more. Just but does Wales? You know, the, the, what we'll come on to now is does Wales have these national brands? Aiden sort also draws attention to things like souvenirs and how countries are marketed and promoted around the world, and they're mainly done. It's all obviously through film and things like that. Mm-hmm. How we know things like Scotland through Braveheart and Ireland through films like Michael Collins. But it's also massively through brands and national commodities when you think about it. So, you know, Irish whiskey, Scottish Scot- oats. Scottish oats, Scottish whiskey, you know, French champagne, French cheese, German whips. Cars, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, that's you a, know. That's a Volkswagen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's through these national commodities that we we actually start to know other countries, and these national commodities also become imbued for you know <laughs> with these sort of national characteristics. Like German efficiency is bound up with mm. you know, bratwurst, well, with the cars and you know the automobile industry. You know as it was with British engineering with like Rolls Royce, the engines and things like that. And they were also there's also like this British idea of luxury, which about Jaguar and things like that. So these all these national brands create a sense of the nation and the nation's position in the world, and they contribute massively to nations sort of standing in the world you know like so certain brands associated with certain nations associated with i guess as well same about that uh, how america dominates the world culturally doesn't it yeah these american things some, some things are just symbolize america but you know so america symbolized not just through you know i guess people it's also symbolized through products products um, isn't it you know mcdonald's coca-cola these things similar you know they they symbolize america but they also symbolize you know, they've come to symbolize certain qualities and which is created by advertising but then these things they feed back into how we think of ourselves as uh, recursive or whatever yeah, it is yeah. anyway enough of you know my random you know the, the Melvin Bragg introduction yeah. Sid why don't you talk to identity economics was I on the right track with it then? yes um, well first of all yeah. first of all thank you for inviting me to this famous uh, radio station um, you're very welcome and uh, to follow you know some very distinguished guests you've had and Absolutely. distinguished interviewers here uh, first of all I think you've laid out the arguments you know the the, the basics of econ- econom- uh, identity economics you know or economies of identity that's kind of more of, a fi- of an official phrase really and I, I'd like to go through some of the basic characteristics of, yes. of, of uh, the field of study uh, which is a developing field and which is a glo- you know which is also uh, has got global implications. Right? That's that's the first thing. It, you know, it isn't confined to any particular territory or nationality or whatever. Uh, it, this is this is potentially a, a global significance. And I think the the first thing that's interesting, and particularly nowadays with Brexit, Trump, Le Pen, in a sense, it's almost something that is almost the answer to their philosophy, to the their politics. Regressive identity. Yeah, well, it, it's the other way. Yeah. It's the other way. Because, like, any ideology can be positive or negative. Mm. Yeah, right? I think it's inherent. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, you know, and, you, and as you alluded to earlier on, identities change over time. National identities, let's yeah. talk about that for a minute. Uh, but they're also constantly constructed and reconstructed. Yeah. You know, we're in... in we're in a building that Gwynalph Williams, you know, Professor Gwynalph Williams, uh, worked in, and you know, and wrote "When Was Wales?" Oh, I got that right. And the point about it, isn't it, is that Wales was constantly inventing itself. Yeah. And that's the whole idea of of uh, you know imagined communities. Yeah. 
right? And human beings construct ideas. Human beings construct, you know, not just buildings, but they construct ideas. Uh, they, con they construct ideologies. They construct nations uh, with, with their obviously certain basic characteristics. So, number one, uh, this, this very idea has, has, you know, has got global application. But th the other point about it is that it is a response to globalization. We've had a, you know, an era, haven't we, since I guess the end of the Second World War, maybe before, of, of the globalization uh, of, of, you know, of the world. I, mean, I know that sounds a bit of a uh, tautology, but it, you know, the, the world is globalized now, isn't it? Yeah. The breaking down of barriers, uh, air travel, cheap air travel, uh, you know, communication has, has broken down all these barriers. But it's a response to globalization in the sense that it says, okay, globalization exists. Um, maybe globalization has gone too far, you can make those arguments. But there is now an alternative to globalization, which is going back to, uh, uh, to, to, to you know, identities, uh, I stress the plural, uh, as, as almost like a, a counterweight uh, to, to, to this globalization. We have globalization and we take all the advantages of that. We've all got our, you know, we've all got our mobile phones, we've all got our, uh, you know, consumer goods, yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, what's it called? The, the new, the new, the, the new Volkswagen. We, we we'll all be buying the new Volkswagen whips, the, yeah. the, the car. Yeah. You know. So, so there's a. So that's the first thing is is that it is, it's about commodifying and monetizing, right? Distinctive products, and I use the word products in the wider sense of the word. It can be artifacts in the sense of manufactured products. But it's also uh, to do with uh, culture yeah. is a product, you know, heritage is a product, mm. language is a product, right? Um, a whole range of things, you know, places are products. Um, uh, Cardiff Bay is a product which can be marketed and, you know, which has a certain identity. I might buy it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. They, they did have my dad, even then they built over it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And the danger is that very often those unique identities will be swamped by some kind of short-termism or, yeah. or, 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 or the lack of understanding by developers of the unique characteristics. Just to, as, as been the capital city, we might as well say, isn't it? You know, for example, the arcades in Cardiff yeah. are a massively positive feature of Cardiff. Yeah. Right now, to what extent is Cardiff marketed as you know the city of arcades or, or, or something like that? So that's exactly you know, and the point about it is that if it was, it would increase economic activity. I think it's marketed at the moment as a city of wireless booths. Yes, uh, yes, yes, and uh, yes. hen nights. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a sense, I'm not arguing against any of that. I'm arguing for other yeah. arguments. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing, the second reason why then the economy of identity, you know, is is uh, important is it's particularly useful in uh, economies, political economies, that are not particularly successful, right? Okay, you could argue that the City of London could use it and the City of London, whatever, but it's particularly uh, useful in, in emerging economies yeah. uh, and in post-industrial societies, which is what we are. Uh, so, so it's got a, right? So that's number one. Number two, the, the, the other um, important point about the concept is this is that it is intended to retain territorial talent. It means that you don't have to have emigration of young and talented people from the country or even from a city or, you know, the coal field or whatever, right? It's a, it, it, it's a means of actually retaining talent there. So these are social objectives, right? You know, neoliberalism doesn't mind the valleys of the southern coal field being depopulated. No. That's okay. Absolutely. Right? 
But if you if you if you take the other side of it, if you if you if you if you support the idea of economies of identity and want to develop that, it would mean that that communities, villages, towns would re, would retain their young people because they are doing something productive, because they are living exciting lives, and a whole range of things, whatever. So it it can it can build the confidence of a community. It can build the confidence, particularly of younger people, you know, who who then feel they don't have to to leave. So and and, and that that then empowers. Those communities um, uh, to 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 do that. I remember reading about a um, town in Japan that because there's nothing there. Mm. Like as soon as you know you you're old enough, you moved out to mm. the point where like the town just like just depleted of people mm. and just you know fell apart pretty much. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Immigration is pretty standard. Isn't it? Okay. So there's multiple facets of you know identity economics. So where, why do we? How does this have relevance to Wales and said Where are we in Wales in terms of? You know, the, what's the Welsh? What are the Welsh national products? How you know what are our national brands? Where where's our standing in the world? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I think first of all that that you know that is the kind of uh, thing that hasn't been properly researched, and I think you can't research that on its own. You have to research that in comparison mm-hmm. because we are competing globally. Right? We're not, you know, we're not just competing in the UK. Right? That's, a, that's, that's such a myth, I can't believe it. But you know, we, we, we're, competing, we're competing globally, and where does Wales stand in, in those things? What is Wales's, what is Wales's visibility globally? L- let's, let's take a very positive example. The Welsh team in the Euros. Yes. I was so important in all kinds of ways. Right? Uh, it, it gave people confidence. It gave, particularly uh, young, younger people, yeah. you know, more interest in football, the Welsh national team, as opposed to maybe local size or whatever. Um, so, so, so the, the Football Association of Wales has actually used national identity, right, and you know, plaidial to Wales as a means of actually making helping to make the team successful. Yeah. And the fact that they uh, the, 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 that the team, for example, went went to Flanders to see the grave of his win, went to Aberfan to see the site of that you know monstrous scandal, you know, is is about the players then. Um, in this particular context, understand more why they are playing for Wales. Because it makes them stronger. Yeah. So yeah. But it makes them stronger, doesn't it? In yeah. terms of in terms of we have to win. You know. And so there's obviously so there's that sort of um, cyclical relationship within the team. So what you're yeah. saying is essentially the Welsh football team is essentially a national brand, a national yes. product, right? Yes. On the world's on the world's scrutiny, the, the world's world's stage, stage, or the European yes. stage. So yeah. I mean, certainly one of the problems. Well, you can well whether you might think it's a problem or not. You know, I tend to is that traditionally Welsh one of the reasons Welsh people have not had a particularly strong sense of national identity is about this issue of national prestige and national prestige is often linked to awareness on the world stage mm-hmm. and again that comes back to things like brands and or lack thereof and things like that or um, so there aren't many films about Wales. Wales isn't very visible on the world stage. So no, remember we mentioned before there's going to be that um, yeah the Arab the, Mickey Rourke and yeah, the, the Gareth Thomas thing. Gareth Thomas yeah. but yeah. because Wales isn't internationally known they yes, decided yeah. to move it to sure. Ireland or right. that yeah making my ration so yeah. doing my PhD research I, you know, I spoke to a lot of school kids about you know watching national identity things like that and when they talk about Wales and Welshness the main thing is this pre-Euros I should say it's hard it's almost like distressing in a way being from Wales because yeah. they said they were really upset going abroad all the time and telling people oh, I'm from Wales and yeah. you know, people are like, well, where on earth is that? Because 
Wales's national characteristics, even if they're national stereotypes, haven't had this global platform. You know, like just you know, if, if you contrast it even to the Irish, to the Scots, the mm. English, everyone knows these places and yeah. things like that. And so, and what that did, this lack of awareness, sort of knocks your confidence, mm. and it just contributes. Mm. Like, well, a lot of those children said, "Well, I feel more British," you know. And some of them say, well, it's because Britain is just more well-known. Mm. It's easier, you know, and that. So it, it's all a, it's a mutually reinforcing thing. Yeah. This. Yeah. So the stronger your national sort of brand on the world stage, yeah. you know, the, the more confident you are and then the less likely you are yeah. to claim an alternative identity. Yeah. Um, what I thought was interesting about the Euro, it's probably going to go off a bit of a tangent here, was that I don't think that the Welsh Government did anywhere near enough marketing for the Euros. I thought, I didn't think that the Euros got even a as much marketing as like your average Six Nations mm. thing to be honest I mean, I mean well, ever know, if you follow me on Twitter or if you know me you know I've got a bit of a should, I'm not the biggest rugby fan in the world to put it should, mildly but yeah, should, we, should we just try and be a little bit more controversial here? Can, can yeah, I, yeah. can I do that is, is, is this in it is that let's compare right the, 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 the visibility and branding of the, the, the football team and the rugby team right football is a global sport yeah Right, and Wales is firmly on the global stage. Yeah. Right, thanks to the work of Chris Coleman and the team and all the oh, fantastic people right across the, right across right across the board, which yeah. is remarkable. And in a sense, they've created you know not just a good f- football team, but they've created a Welsh football team yeah. in that sense. Now, and football is a global sport. Football is a sport particularly for younger people. Yeah. Right. And in a sense, one can argue Swansea City is another example where where the same thing occurs. Rugby is, don't forget, is very much... It's not, it's not a global sport. It's not a global sport. And it's very strongly tied into the, the British Empire and Commonwealth. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, the, the difference, for example, between, shall we say, the, the, the footballer, the, not just the, 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 foot, the footballers as well, actually, but if you look at the, the, the supporters who didn't want to support a British team in the Olympics, compare that with the support of the Welsh Rugby Union for the British Lions. Mm. The British Lions are seen to be a higher honour than playing for, for Wales. And that's a, a perfect example there, you know, comparing two sports, of a conflicted national identity. Mm. And if you have a conflicted national identity, it is then weaker. Mm. The, and brand, the brand. The brand is, the, we don't agree the brand, mm. right? Because if, if, if I say, well, we need to promote Wales as Wales and not consider Wales as part of the UK, some people will say, no, no, you have, to, you, have to, you have to brand it as part of the UK. Look at the institutional link-ups that, that, that Wales has that go through the UK, as opposed to having an independent global profile. And, and you know, the football has an independent global profile. Rugby doesn't. Yeah. Uh, even within the rugby communities, even, even among the players who, who, who say, what, what a tremendous honour it is. And... Again, I would argue, you know, the disruptive effect on, on Welsh rugby of the British Lions. Mm. In terms so, of what diluting the brands. Yeah, and, and diluting the brand, but also, you know, um, it, it isn't the main focus, is it? It isn't the, 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 it isn't the main goal, it isn't, it isn't the objective. And, it, and, and it's, it's conflicted, right? Now, it's essential, therefore, to successful branding, which is the highest level of identity economics, the brand is, is the final is the apex of the yeah. pyramid, as it were. So the right? actual yeah. nation, nation as a brand and a sports team, things like that. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the branding is, is at a high, at high level, and you mentioned flags, you know, and things yeah. like that. You know, simple, simple things that, that somehow uh, people identify with. 
But um, beneath that, you have to have a culture, the media, right, the education system, all agreeing what the product is, what the brand is. You can debate it. The debate will always continue. The debate yeah. will never, never stop. But, but it's got to be a, a discussion about those things and say, okay, what are the resources? What are, what are the Welsh national resources? We know, for example, the obvious ones, water, yeah. you know. But Identity Economics says, look, our, our, our coastline is a product. Our bays or whatever, right? beaches, forever. Our mountains are a product, right? Uh, our language and our music is a product. Right? Now, to what extent are those resources actually monetized? Right? Where do you go into an average pub in Wales and hear Welsh singing? No, in an Irish pub, oh, I, I, you, right, know, I I, you know, entertainment I'm talking about now, right? In somewhere in Cardiff now, can you go to a bar where every night there is somebody playing what is identifiably Welsh music? No, professionally, no, right? No. Now, if you were a global traveller, right, and this now is another characteristic of uh, economy of identity, niche markets. People can travel, right, particularly perhaps, should we say, retired people or, you know, professional people or whatever. They want a global experience. Yeah. And if they come to Cardiff and Cardiff looks like Leicester, yeah. what's the point? Something we've said a lot of the time is that Cardiff's just an almost an interchangeable city. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just Cardiff, is it? Obviously, it's, it's, yes. It's, yes. What you said there is absolutely relevant for the, for the whole of Wales. And one of the main things that you know, Aidan sort of speaks about in this sort of national identity and national brands is that, you know, if you take it to apply to Wales, if you cross the border from England to Wales, I mean, Calvin Jones spoke about this in previous podcast, apart from bilingual signage and a few Welsh flags on the roads, you know, in Cardiff. And having to pay. Yeah, and having to pay. <laughs> you wouldn't know, as you said, you wouldn't know you were in Wales because there's no, there's no, there's no these, these cultural things which they just don't come up, do they? That's they fine. just don't exist. But is there not an argument, you know, so philosophically, you know, Irish people might say, well, you know, there's this Americanized idea of Ireland, you know, mm. this like mm. the people singing in the bars and yeah. things like that. And, um, and it's almost like, you know, the Irish tourist board comes around and like threatens people like, if you don't start singing and playing like <laughs> yeah, yeah. a violin when American comes in, then yeah. we're going to withdraw your money or beat you or anything like that. So there is an issue, isn't it? A philosophical issue behind it. To what extent should you, do, but do you think create, you know, recreate this like almost like a an identity for the consumption of other people? Because that's what Irishness, for example, in, in that sense, the Irish pub often is, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so I was going to say, um, but do you think with Ireland and its identity, you know, it can be tied with this mass immigration to the United States? Yeah, of course it can, yeah. So in terms of, you, we didn't really have that in, in Wales, did we? I mean, obviously people did go to... Yeah, it was, it was the Great Famine, yeah. No. And then, no, no, and then there wasn't... The, yeah. yeah. But, but there's, there's, an, there's an interesting component to there. If you do, uh, uh, you know, internet searches on Celtic studies, hmm. right, you will find Irish studies is an academic subject right across the world yeah. in the most surprising places, lots and lots of places. You'll find Scottish studies, you'll find British studies, French studies, whatever. I cannot think of many places throughout the world where you have Welsh studies. Now, that's a, that's a consequence of a low visibility of Wales. And that leads then to a failure, which you talked about then, of an internal failure. If, 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 I'm a, if I'm an academic interested in national studies, I want to do comparative national studies, where am I going to do Welsh studies? 
Welsh studies, right, as an academic discipline, is not even recognised within the country. So no. And 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 and. Parochial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes. Be, be, well, that's right. Yeah. Be, because Welsh studies would be too Welsh, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And would sure. would would threaten would 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 threaten you know the existing order. Now, but that is literally cutting off an horse to spite your face, because because if Welsh studies was a was a was a fully fledged academic discipline more people would be employed in researching it right it would be something that could be could be you know people would come into the country uh, from all over the world to study it and many people do not there's a great deal of interest in Welsh language and yeah. a whole range of things there but it then puts Wales on par with other Celtic nations in 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 this case and therefore that raises the profile of Wales all of which then is kind of Fattening, I, I can you know thickening the, like the, 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 the yeah thick, thickening the, the the national identity, and then it becomes a much bigger potential product because all you know back to back to the point about specifically about identity economics is that all of these things then become resources, and the the, the trick then the, the, and this is what identity economics tries to do is to say we can monetize the resources and we can create sustainable employment. If, for example, um, and it's a cultural thing, and maybe it's for the government to deal with it as well, but if, for example, in, in Cardiff, or there was a target set of, uh, should we say, 10 um, bands were going to go into targeted pubs, you know, where lots of people go, and were going to play Welsh, Welsh, Welsh music, right? You know, and, and you would market that so that the tourists, you would marry that then with Welsh gastronomy, Right, uh, so that they get a gastronomic experience as well. You would then link that up with 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 cultural tours, right? You could you, you can you imagine the marketing that would go around all of that, and you're creating a market for the globe, but also Welsh people would go there. Where can you go in Cardiff? I'm sorry to pick on Cardiff, but uh, why not? <laughs> Where can you go in Cardiff for a meal that is Welsh products? Cheese on toast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The market. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, I have to say this is. is um, I hope I get his first name right. This guy called Simon Wright in Carmarthenshire, a, a, a restaurateur, brilliant restaurateur, uses Welsh products, creates Welsh menus, highly successful. Right? Now that's that's one individual restaurateur. Why you know? And there are other chefs, for example, aren't there? There are some you know. There's some brilliant chefs in, in within Wales now and other side as well who are creating Welsh menus, and they are using Welsh products. Mm. And particularly, for example, uh, Brexit. You know, where are we going to sell our Welsh lamb? Well, okay, if we can't export it as much as we could before, or, you know, it's, it's going to be a difficulty. We know all know about those lamb and beef and all the other things. Then, if those if those products are, are you know used by chefs and and Used for meals in in restaurateur, you know. There's an internal market is to do that, and it's it's really about creating all kinds of opportunities for you know this kind of sustainable sustainable economy. And that that idea as well, sorry, is 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 this that we can then um, entice you know particularly graduates and or new entrepreneurs in particular, right? To to say I am going to use this idea and I am going to invent products. Uh, or I'm going to set up a company that, that, that does these things. And those companies can be anywhere. You know, they can be in Abertillery, they can be in Armenford. It doesn't matter where they are, you know, they, they be, because they usually get done. And, and it's mixing the internal market, the local market, with the global market. 
the potential for change, right, is huge, you know, and it's, it's, it's about building on national assets. And those national assets include products, but they also then now have to include people who are going to be promoting those products and, you know, they're going to become the new entrepreneurs. The other thing they can do, of course, sorry, just around it off, is that the people who understand economies of identity can then go into big corporations and say to those big corporations, hey, you can make a lot more money if you if you promote these products. I mean, we have to say, for example, that Brains, isn't it, you know, pr promotes itself as a, as a specifically Welsh company in Wales. I understand that when they went to, um, uh, around Birmingham, they had to kind of de-Welshify themselves, you know. I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's true. Perhaps Brains will tell us. Um, but, you know, uh, but, but the more Welsh it is, right, in any product is, the, the, big, the greater the niche market, the, the, the more, the more the, you know, the more confidence it has. It's a new market. It's, it's about creating new markets and, and they're sustainable markets. It's not about ripping off those national assets. You know, it's, it's, about, it's about reusing them. The ripping off occurs, isn't it, where, where Welsh seafood is exported. Yeah. Which is the better place to go, Kinsale or Mumbles, for local products? Now, fair play, Mumbles is actually trying very, very hard. Uh, to be at the new Kinsale. In fact, they, they're twinned with, with Kinsale, aren't they? But you've got a Kinsale and everything is seafood, everything is, you know, top top quality and the place is crowded. I know Mumbles is crowded as well, but there's a lot That's of... That's really small though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but there, there are other ports, aren't there, around the country where that where those, yeah. same, where those same things can occur. Yeah, you know? Falmouth and things like well, obviously yeah. That's an example of like the seafood culture and things yeah, like that. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right there, Sid, because, I mean, one of the issues we talk about when we create identities and you know as, as we all know it's identity and that's made and remade continuously yeah. and there's always a big debate particularly in wales about oh this is you know essentialist and we're creating narrow exclusionary forms of identity but i think what you've done there is you've linked it to the economy which is an interesting way of, of looking at it. so it's not just a sociological phenomenon it's something that may be particularly relevant as you said in developing countries or in countries where the economy is, is essentially tanking like Wales as it is at the moment so you said about the apex and you know, let's say the apex is the nation is the actual nation at, mm. at the top of it you know and within that you've got like national sports teams on the world stage you know we've got mega stars like you know Gareth Bale things like that because people always used to hawk our oh, Tom Jones and Catherine Zeta Jones and and then we said like Oh, we claimed Christian Bale as Welsh until he went mental on the set of Terminator. Yeah, and then it was he's like, Welsh until that point. And then I was like, actually, I don't know who that guy no, is. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> but he was, like, he was like stretching. Oh, that dude, his parents are Welsh. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. So, you know, so, I mean, I don't think, I mean, we used to say, we used to think that those people like you know, Richard Burton, Annie Hopkins, they were like global megastars, but they weren't really. And also, and the other issue was their visibility on the global stage. They were actors. They weren't, you know, they can't be blamed for this, but they're not there, like, you know, ripping open their top and showing, like, a Welsh dragon inside or anything like that. They're no. just, they're not saying to everyone, hello, I'm I'm Welsh, you know, blah, blah. They're not, it's not their job did, to be... Didn't Andy Hopkins really not probably going back to Port Talbot as soon as he left? Well, well, you know, he got American citizenship, didn't he? But, I mean... Well, can I, can I disagree with you? No. Yeah, it's right. Right, is, is, is that I think that you... I think the Hollywood stars is an interesting phenomenon. Mm. But, again... In, in terms of uh, our national identity and self-confidence is an under-exploited phenomenon, right? If you, I haven't done much work on this, but I think this is true, and I'm, this is nearly a bit of research, isn't it? Ray Milland, Reginald Trescott Jones from Neath, right, was British, 
actor, post-war, post-war actor, very famous, famous actor. Richard Burton, I think, was the first Hollywood actor, and he was, he, I think he was a global superstar, you know, oh, yeah, married yeah. to, you know, yeah. Liz, Liz Taylor and all, and all that, you know. Liz down the block. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, the fact that he came on his own jet and, was, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. But, but Richard Burton was undeniably Welsh and always said he was Welsh, and, uh, you know, to see, to see, have you, have you, have you seen that clip of Richard Burton and Liz Taylor singing Callan La... Ten, haven't said. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> Maybe they did that for some before. Uh, singing Callan Lan in front on Sammy Davis Jr.'s show. Oh, yeah, I did. Actually, that? Yeah. I think it's Callan Lan. It's amazing. Yeah. Now, why, you know, we have to discover that, you know, buried somewhere in, in uh, on YouTube. I mean, that's a major, you know, uh, event. And, but Burton did that. I, I think it's fair to say that, to be fair to him, Anthony Hopkins has changed mm. from being seen as a British actor to, 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 to being a Welsh actor. Because, of course, along comes then, you know, not just the, the, the thing with Burton, but, you know, you've got, you've got Michael Sheen, yeah. you know, you've got uh, Rhys Evans, you've got Catherine Zeta-Jones, right? And a shame, you know, yeah. not unapologetically Welsh, right? So now, those, yeah, those, 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 don't forget, for, 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 particularly for, for, again, sorry to go back to this, but for young people, those are global icons. Yeah, yeah. That's us. We are, we are there, and in a sense, one, one, one could almost have a, a marketing strategy for, you know, where's this Hollywood stars? And there are other ones, aren't there? There are, there are some newer ones as well who... Uh, uh, for young people. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, actually, well, you know, there's, there's a, a woman, a young woman, who's Welsh-speaking, who, who doesn't have a particularly, you know, Welsh-sounding name, but she's fiercely Welsh. She's so, a, so, I know, yeah. She's a really big up and coming. But, but so, so those, you know, those exemplars potentially then are adding oh, sure. to, to, to the self-confidence and then, you know, they are, in a sense, a Welsh product. Mm. They are, but is it not a problem that, you know, because they're actors and you know, their role, to be fair to them, isn't to go and promote Wales on a yes. world stage and surely, you know, if, if they feel Welsh and they want to tell everyone about Wales and that's that's fine, you know, if they want to promote it and, and even to an extent trade on the Welsh and that's fine, but in many ways isn't that's contingent, isn't it, on their own personality and how much they want to sort of tell everyone I'm from Wales. I mean, it'll help people in Wales because they can say, oh, so-and-so is Welsh. But in terms of telling the rest of the world mm. about Wales or acting as ambassadors, that is surely, it's not a systematic thing, it's just individual. No, but, but, but they could be contracted to do so. Yeah. So instead of a secret service, it's just like listen, like just brush it up, or just product placement. You know, yeah. just yeah. Um, well, after a long day on the set, I yeah. I refresh myself with Collier's cheese. Yeah, yeah. You're into this yeah. Collier's cheese. They're sponsoring this week's. That's the only. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only Welsh Is there going to be a Collier's cheese jingle coming on now? I yeah, want yeah, a Collier's yeah. cheese T-shirt. Yeah, but yeah. it's just yeah, you know, like for the next maybe Johnny. maybe in the next. You know, the next Michael Sheen film or the next Anthony Hopkins film, you know, someone from Visit Wales should visit them beforehand and just say, any chance you can just eat some delicious lamb yeah. in this scene or just eat, have a leek sticking out of your pocket or daffodil, things like that. But I mean... Or, I, a, or drive a Gilburn car. Yeah. I what? It's the Welsh sports car, the Gilburn car. The Gilburn. No, you hear that. I don't drive. Made in Pontypris. <laughs> Manufacturing Pontypris. Oh, there you go. So I mean, so so those so these are the the apex, yeah, like national you know actors and things like that. Sports teams, Gareth Bale, you know, Lord Bale should have a statue in yeah. the city uh, centres. 
in my opinion. But moving down a bit, you know, as we said, we talked in the introduction about national brands and the role these can play. In our previous shows, we talked about Wales' only real leading brand is Ivor Williams. Our tra- favourite brand as well, isn't it? Is Ivor Williams trailers. Yeah. Because if, um, if you've got, you know, if you're on a long journey, you've got too much to carry, you have Ivor Williams trailers. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. You're always behind an Ivor Williams trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, but, but that's our national, you know, the, yeah. the most visible Welsh national brand. You know, contrast that to, a great contrast is Guinness, isn't it? And, I, you know, and Irishness and how they, they trade on it. And, but, and that then, it sort of comes back into Ireland and they start thinking, oh, well, there we are, you know, and it all contributes to this sense of national mm. identity. But do we have any other, I mean, do we have any other national brands? I mean... Well, you've got a lot of Welsh beers out now. Yeah. Yeah. And whiskey. Yeah. We do, but are we not, you know, are we not... I always think, you know, can Welsh whiskey, okay, it's a great idea. Are you really ever going to compete with, you know, Irish whiskey, Scottish whiskey, things like that? Well, it's um, better. Not that's why it's better. It's I, better. Don't drink, I don't drink whiskey. It's so better it's, whiskey. It's because it's got herbs in it, isn't it? That's, that's the Welsh whiskey. But it's, you know, you know, we the state of play, I think, in Wales is we've got so far to go, as you said, mm. Sid. We're mm. so yeah. underdeveloped. If you contrast Cardiff, I mean, we always, we always like hammer Cardiff, don't we? Every it's, only, it's only Welsh city we've been to as well. But, <laughs> but, you know, like, let's say you go to any other European European capital city on a city break. As you said, there'll be a massive host of uh, the tourist, local tourist industry around the capital city will be around promoting. Oh, this is that you go go in here for like the authentic Austrian experience. Go in here for the authentic Latvian <laughs> experience, or whatever. But you know, like so, you go to Vienna. I'm just going to list all places I've been to watch football. Like, but you yeah. know, you you, know, you go there and it's like we do the best schnitzel. We do the best schnitzel. We do the best schnitzel. Mm-hmm. And you know, these books mm-hmm. wearing lederhosen. All right, and they are trading on cliched versions mm-hmm. of like Austrian identity, whatever. But the point is there's, there is a very defined sense of how to market Austria to people that come in. Mm-hmm. And I, when you come to Cardiff, you've got Cardiff Castle, but there aren't things. That's the interesting you, thing as well with Wales and Castles is that is like, you know, a tourist attraction, mm-hmm. but historically we used to oppress the local people. Yeah, yeah, but, 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 but that, I haven't got a problem with that because that's okay because we didn't lose and we are still here, and the castles we've captured the castles. Oh yeah, yeah true. So we, you know, we've, we've, we've turned them round. You know, we've we've turned. Yeah, can, yeah, yeah. Can, can I can I just go back to the uh, the Hollywood stars thing? Yeah. Uh, when I when I travel from home to to Swansea, I, I take the uh, the sometimes I take the M4 if I'm late. And if you go over Stormy Down, which is I'm a, also a part of trained geographer and geologist so I, I I know these things so you can't get lost I don't get lost and I've got a very good sense of direction yeah, oh. yeah, actually naturally anyway um, but you go, over, you, go, you go over Stormy Down and you come across I think one of the most fantastic vistas in the world oh that's one that's like um, going into Bridgend you know come out of Bridgend no. oh, no. you've left Bridgend behind when I said yeah. vistas I had villas no, no it yeah. could be the name of Bridgend. is yeah. never going to be the nicest fist. Yeah, no, no, no. It's in my heart. Bridgend was ruined. Bridgend was ruined, wasn't it? Oh. Anyway, <laughs> you go over, you're on the M4, you go over Stormy Down, and you come across, on your right, you've got Marble Mountain. Yeah. On your left, you've got Tata Steelworks. Yeah. And then you look beyond it, and you've got the whole sweep of Swansea Bay. One of the most fantastic vistas anywhere. And you're on a high, you know, a road which is fairly high up. Right? And you're passing through over, actually, Port Albert. Would anyone who was driving that road, which is not just the M4, but it's the E44, I think. It's a European road. It, people from Ireland use it. 
people travelling back and forth while in years, would you know that you were travelling through a town that was the birthplace of Richard Burton, right, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Michael Sheen, and others? Would you know that? Right. There's not a single sign that says in America that is the case. In America, we go to a small town on the side of the road. It'll say like home to the world's biggest corn dog or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and in France, in France, you see it. You know, in, in you know this in Ireland. You know, you, I, I went, I went to, I went to, a, I went to a, on a, somewhere on the south coast or west coast. I can't remember. It's a, it's a something strand, and there's a statue of Charlie Chaplin there, because he went. He, he used to spend holidays there. Oh, right. So, so, so it's you know that that for example the the Hollywood star thing. Sorry to label the point, but that Hollywood star thing is saying to every single person that's passing, this is an important place, mm. and is saying to all the local people, look what you have produced. So you're saying it, it, it sort of it also creates a local pride. As yes, well. a, loca, a, lo, a local pride. Sense of identity. Yeah, yeah. and and you know. Uh, b- back to the Richard Burton um, analogy, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, I would argue, uh, you know, a global, a global superstar still, and maybe not promoted enough, you know, where in Pontrey de Ven do people benefit from the fact that Richard Burton was born and brought up there? Mm. Where, 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 where is the, where, where is Richard Burton's Pontrey de Ven? In terms of back now to economies of identity. It's underdeveloped, isn't it? Yeah, and underdeveloped, and uh, you know, and and you, you don't just you know do do that sort of reason. So so it's it's you know it's back to your point, right? These these things have to be understood, and then you construct a new new economies, a new form of economics on the basis of that identity will sell. That's we, that's that's the point. We've got some tourism stats here that. Stats, right? Stats, rather, that I've got memorised in my head. That, yeah, uh, you're really good with stats. Yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. getting into it. So, right, let's look at the Wales. Um, so, just to sort of emphasise you know, how underdeveloped this is in Wales, this is from the Independent, an article in the Independent 2014. There was outcry, right, because it was, it, it transpired that the annual tourist budget for Wales, they spent on marketing Wales around the world, was 7 million. <laughs> and this was compared to Scotland's 47 million. Wow. And Jersey, just the island of Jersey, spent six million a year, and so that was how underdeveloped the Welsh. Uh, they were rich there, though, they? Um, they spare it. Yeah, that's true. It's a tax haven. So you know, tourists spend around fourteen million a day in Wales, and you know, it amounts to five point one billion a year. So you can, you know, they said in terms of the percentage of that is seven million a year enough. Um, we'll move forward a bit. So this is the latest one, two thousand sixteen, right? So in two thousand fifteen, there were I can't be this. There were forty five million. Probably 1,045 million, 45 million overnight trips to Wales. I can't, I don't think that's right. <laughs> but by, great, by British residents. Mm. The associated spend was 1,975 million. 60% of British visitors to Wales came for a holiday, 20%, 27% to visit friends or relatives, and 9% on business. So just under 75 million day visits are made to destinations in Wales annually, with expenditure amounting to over 2.7 billion. Now, Wales attracted 970,000 international visitors uh, to Wales during 2015, who spent 410 million. The top four countries for overseas tourism were Ireland with 129,000 people, France 105,000 people, Germany with 97,000 people, and America with 91,000 people. I'd imagine most of those Americans were just traveling through Wales to get to mm-hmm. Ireland. Which well, they got they, lost in Which is what they normally yeah. do. You know, mm-hmm. like, when I used to go up to Bangor, went to study, everyone's on the train to Holyhead, and I'm like, 
you realise you can actually get off, you know, <laughs> mm. in Wales, and they're like, nah, just jump on a ferry because because they don't know mm. what Wales is. They, they you know, there's a massive market there, America, um, you know, in America. There's a really interesting article, right, written by Annette Pritchard and Nigel Morgan, and it's about the marketing of Wales worldwide, right? So we talk about this just critically, I think, to, to finish. Mm. And what they basically they they talk about is they just argue that Wales is Wales is marketing. We said you said earlier said like the word Cardiff is a bit of a, a clone town. It's is bland. You know, there's no, nothing particularly Welsh about it. You know, and that goes to the whole of Wales. We've talked about this in previous pods, but what they argue in this article is that Wales is marketed based on landscape, right, and like an out, outdoor pursuits and things like that. And what they argue in that is that well, okay, well, that's all well and good, but that's not a unique selling point because well, yes, Wales is beautiful. Yes, Wales has a rugged coastline, things like that, and. But on its own, so is loads of other so loads of other places in Britain, and people do want to go to places to do outdoor suits and things like that. But they also want a cultural experience, things like that. So they say that Wales. One of the interesting things is that they said that Wales specifically doesn't market Welsh heritage, specifically the Welsh language, which is absent from Visit Wales adverts. And the reason that you know they did interviews with the heads of the Welsh Tourist Board and things like that, they said they said, oh well, we think that the Welsh language will put off English visitors because the Welsh language has negative connotations associated with house burning and things like that, which you know we've discussed in our previous podcast on the Welsh language is is, is a ridiculous sort of stereotype. But so what they said then, you know, unless Wales, so firstly that the the decision to not trade on. Mm. The Welsh language and Welsh heritage is is political mm. yes. um, because they felt that you know some people felt that mm. it was almost like would be promoting nationalism and some mm. there's a lot of people in Wales who've got a vested interest in Wales still belonging part of the UK and if you start promoting Wales as a very distinct mm. area marketing Wales oh Wales is really different people say whoa, whoa you know mm. that, that that shouldn't be at all you'll take it back Wales part of part of part of the UK um, and they said you know. The, what they argue is that you know, unless you promote Wales as a distinct linguistic, you know, if, unless you promote the Welsh language, you know, because people in Germany aren't going to be put off by mm. the Welsh language, Americans aren't going to be disgusted by the thought of the Welsh language. So that you know, they're basically saying it's a ridiculous mm. policy. What is interesting, moving forward to the present day, is that Visit Wales is now very much under control of the Visit Britain. And uh, Renab Yorweth tweeted something during the Euros, which is really interesting, and he found this all these Visit Britain. Uh, tourism brochures with the Union Jack on and things like that. Within them is a section uh, saying visit Wales, or rather, sorry, or rather the visit. Uh, sorry, my, my mistake. I'll, I'll tweet this later. The visit Wales brochures had the Union Jack on the top of them saying, you know, we're sort of part of Visit Britain. So what Reen I think sort of implied, and I don't disagree with him, is that this has to be a deliberate mm. policy mm. of not marketing Wales as too distinct to, um, to other countries. Why, why, why it's happened at the moment, or you know, people who are experts on this sort of thing mm. will, have to, will have to tell us. But um, I think we can all agree that there's, you know, there's a long way through, seven million a year isn't, isn't enough to market it. But why don't you think about the thing, how would you market Wales, Nate? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. It involves a lot of building, a lot of stupid. I don't know, maybe um, culturally build it up, to be like as we're saying, 
kind of independent or have a, a stronger identity. Um, maybe what are we going to use? What are these brands and things like that? You know what? You know we don't have these national stereotypes, or we do, but you know they're not as visible as or positive as other countries. Do you know what I do actually? Le- try and legalize weed here, and just get loads of tourism in. Yeah, well, that's, that's that's my solution for everything. Well, that's really <laughs> just legalize weed. Yeah, no, but I mean in terms of let's say like this is going perhaps a ridiculous tangent now. Obviously, um, Wales. No, it's not like me at all. Um, but let's say if Wales did have the power for some drug policy, and we're like, actually, you know, let's uh, let's legalize uh, weed. How many, like you get loads of tourism? Yeah, and in turn, and in turn, Wales becomes associated with this. Yeah, I mean, look at Amsterdam. Liberal hate. Like what? What? Like what I mean, culturally, what's Amsterdam got? You've got Rembrandt, you know. Uh, and Frank. Yeah, and Frank. But those aren't the like the immediate things that come to mind when someone's like, Oh, I'm gonna go on holiday to Amsterdam. Like, oh, I'm just gonna get stoned. Like, yep. Yeah, when you go to I walk around the Rijksmuseum. But when you go to Amsterdam, you know, you have Dutch flags with, you know, cannabis leaves on it and things like that. And it's I mean, That's it, that's the national Dutch flag, isn't but, it? But you know, the you know, the the right you can debate the sort of the right or wrong of of attaching your national identity to particular things, you know, forever. That's that's part of an ongoing discussion, as you said, Sid, but, you know, it's impo- what is important that we start to realise, I think people at the top in Wales start thinking about how important this is, as you said, for job creation. Mm. Well, and, and there's, a, in a sense, um, uh, out of, uh, very on, out of bad, can, can good content, and in a sense, I think, Brexit and an increasingly neoliberal government in, 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 in the UK uh, as compared, for example, with a more social democratic government in Scotland and with the interesting changes in uh, the north of Ireland, you know, which, which, which are kind of interesting, you know, uh, we'll see how that, uh, how that develops. And Brexit is one of the causes of that. But Wales then can't, cannot be isolated from those fundamental changes that, that are taking place at UK level. Mm. And I think there's evidence that people who I think are traditionally unionist are beginning to think, hang on, if we stick to this line, it's going to be, it's not going to, you know, it's going to end, end badly. There's a, a guy, Professor Carol Williams, you know, who um, from Manchester, I think, originally from Ceredigion, uh, and, and he is, you know, advocates quite radical uh, economic uh, change, you know, in, in Wales, you know, local authorities and things like that, and says all the time, yes, but I'm not a nationalist. Well, for me, he actually is a practical nationalist. You don't have to be an ideological nationalist. Mm. You know, you have to say, hang on, if, if, if I promote Wales, if I, if I you know, promote Welsh products, that is a benefit to society. Not for ideological reasons, but for practical reasons, for, for, for general outcomes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that maybe, the, I think there's a movement towards that, is that people will become more and more uh, identifying with Welshness. And Welshness as a product, that's the point. Well, the flip side is that we have, you know, almost an insurgent, you know, right-wing British movement within Wales who will undoubtedly try to start promoting Britishness um, in Wales. So it's going to be interesting to see which way it goes. Um, Anyway, Sid, thanks so much for coming on. Are there any shout-outs you would like to give to your legions of fans? Uh... Hello, <laughs> hello, hello, you, that person. Uh, no, thanks. No, and, and no, thank you very much indeed for your uh, invitation. No, thanks for coming on. Really thank you very it. much for coming on. It's been fantastic. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to Graham, as per usual. Yeah. Um, 
Does yeah. he ever listen to any of these? No, he never will, so I can say what I want about him. But also, to, I'm hopefully going to go and see a gig this this month for the first time in ages. So, going to go see Master Intruder. I love pop punk, it's my secret shame. Uh, Guilty pleasure, so shout out to Master Intruder. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, a website called Everything is Terrible. And they're, they've set them. Nice. Yeah, no, it's just great. Uh, so they take all these like these old clips from like B movies and just really awful movies and like play them and mess around them. But they they've set themselves on a bit of a mission now. Is they notice that in charity shops that there's always like a huge amount of copies of Jerry Maguire. So they're asking people to post them their videotapes of Jerry Maguire in hopes that they can build a pyramid in the desert in California out of them. That'd be awesome. It is, they've got about 40,000 copies already. No way, it's pretty good, pretty good film, man. I like Jerry Maguire. I've never seen it, but I am feeling I'll watch it before you get the, you know, if you get the DVD from a charity show, watch it and then put it in the I think it's VHS is the right one. Uh, yeah. 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 Max. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. VHS and then just build a big pyramid. I mean, who knows one day it could be, become a religion like in a few thousand years. I, hope, I certainly hope so. Yeah. And on that note, thanks very much for listening. We're going to be having more guests on very soon, which is really good for me and Nate because we... I don't have anything for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for bumping us. We'll be posting links for this episode on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, so watch this space. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me the money, just show me the money, show me